Today we are talking about exercise selection as far as program periodization goes. This week we've been talking about progressing your programs uh, and around the concept of not just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting to continue to get great results. And today is all about exercise selection. What's up everyone? My name is Yanni Bormeister. Across the table is Rad. It's just the two of us today. Uh, we're missing Phil in action, but we're going to go deep into exercise selection. This is a, um, a very, very favorable topic for both Rad and I. We enjoy this very much. Same with Richard. And uh, in case you guys haven't met us before, obviously we're Rad, Yanni and Richard, and we are UMS and the Unity Gym Tribe. If you want to know how we turn driven people into superhumans, grab our blueprints. They're free and they're packed with insights and lessons that we've learned over the last two decades of our training and training clients. What's up, Rad? Ready to get into it. We've, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good topic. It's something that um, a lot of people don't understand. Um, even as a personal trainer in the early days, it took me years to years and years and years to understand exercise selection because even when you start to learn more and more exercises it's you really have to know what you're doing um, to periodize them and to progress them and you see it all the time some of the most um, you know for those of you on the podcast I'm doing the quotation marks with my fingers here some of the most seasoned gym goers have the poorest understanding of um, exercise selection and correct progression and what is considered a, a more challenging movement than the last one. And you see people, you know, in the gyms just doing exercises that are so far beyond their capabilities. Um, or, or the 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 or the prior uh, or the the opposite, so far be, um, below their capabilities. Yeah, yeah that's right. You know? yeah, yeah. And yeah, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of work to. It takes a lot of work, a lot of study, and a lot of um, practical application to to get to a level where you can, you know, really choose the correct exercise. Um, and you know, lucky for you out there, we we've done it all for you. It's all part of the UMS with our great progressions program. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's something that we want to talk about today because we're seeing a lot of people get it wrong. A lot of people not understand um, the importance of periodization and and changing up the exercises, um, but the understanding of of what exercises to choose yeah absolutely now there's one thing that our our program doesn't do and i'll explain that in a sec but before i do i want to give a quick shout out to everyone who's joining us live on the ums movement mastermind facebook group if you are listening on the podcast or watching the replay on youtube make sure you dive over to facebook search for ums movement mastermind join the group you will have to agree to abide by the code of conduct which is very important to us because we want like-minded driven people in that group but once you're in, you can interact with us live on this show. Hello, Lee Clements. Lovely to have you on the stream. Hey, Lee. How are you? And anyone else that's on live, give us a shout out. Let us know that you're watching. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the thing that we don't do in the UMS is use assisted gym machines. And there's a very good reason for that. And I'll explain it quickly so that we can dive in. Uh, we... Um, we want to replicate or we want to be able to demonstrate our strength in the real world. And the problem with assisted gym mach uh, machines, which are a great place to get started if you've never set foot in a gym and you cannot afford to have supervision by a good coach like Rad, myself or Richard or Phil for that matter, 
Uh, then the assisted machines, that's what they were designed for. They were designed for you to sit in and, and uh, Nautilus um, was the first company to design these machines and they were designed to remove the need for supervision. So you could look at an illustration on the machine and know, okay, it's going to work this muscle and if I push this lever, it's going to give me some form of a workout. Problem with that is that when you're usually seated in these machines, the systems in the body that train your coordination, that train your balance, that train your core strength, that train all the stabilizers and the importance systems in, in the body that bring everything together and create a system that produces movement are detrained. And that's why we chose to set up a gym without any of these machines because one, we don't want to detrain people. We want people to be evolving, not devolving. And two, we just didn't see that it was the right way to be um, uh, teaching people because people that um, uh, frequent a gym like that become very coupled to, the, to, to, to need those machines and they fail to develop the skills to be able to train the body um, without machines. And then if you remove that fancy gym, all of a sudden that person can't train anymore, which mm. is a real problem, you know. Yeah, and there is definitely a place for those machines in an effective program, but the the problem is that it's much less of a place than what people think. You know, like like the idea of um, um, of using a leg extension machine can be very beneficial at a certain stage of you know either a rehab or a prehab program, but it's a but it's a really small part. Like it would usually by a really good strength coach would be used just for a very small phase of muscle activation. Um, and then you would immediately go and, you know, um, train, you know, the body properly by doing things like lunges and split squats and step ups and squats and things like that. And the problem is that m the majority of people, even the majority of personal trainers don't know how to put that stuff into a program effectively um, in a way that it's going to produce a really good results. And so for us, the simplest solution um, is to just remove it and, and yeah. just focus on the stuff that gives the biggest bang for your buck. Yeah, and and the reality, the thing, the thing is, you can you can produce every result um, that you need without the use of those machines, but you can't you can't flip that scenario around and produce the same result using those machines as you do when you're squatting or doing step ups or doing um, whole body movements, you know, functional movements. So. Yeah, we're, we're not a fan of them unless you're a bodybuilder. Bodybuilding is, is very different because all you're trying to do is target specific areas of the body to create that physique and, uh, and then there's a great use for them because you want to eliminate um, other areas so that you can bring up lagging areas and things like that. But bodybuilding is very different to what we do. Uh, we train people to be strong in life, not strong at gym. Mm, yeah, uh, right. And um, yeah, look, uh, the, so... The next step, the next evolution from those sorts of machines and uh, the, the most basic of movements, which are usually single joint movements and things like that, is to look at um, the movement complexity itself, the, the, the more joints we add to the movement. Um, so if you take into consideration a squat as opposed to a leg extension, which we were talking about there, the leg extension is only moving the knee joint. So the quadriceps are the only muscles that are getting worked there. You might get a little bit of hip flexor, um, but it's very little, you know. Mm. And then if you move over to a squat uh, or even a leg press for that matter, if we're staying uh, more simple, 
you're going to start multi-joint movements. So now we're using the ankle, we're using the knee, we're using the hip. And uh, if, you, if you step up from the, um, from the leg press to the squat, which is the closed chain variation of that movement, then you're now using all of the balancing systems and the stabilizers and the core muscles and things like that. So it's this natural evolution. And this is what we're really wanting to drive home today, right? Which is how to progress using movements even if you want to use the same types of movements for the same types of areas of the body, what's the natural line of progression and what should, should you be targeting? What should you be um, moving towards, migrating to, evolving to? Yeah, absolutely. Look, <clears throat> I think that we should, we should talk in a language that people that don't have access to the UMS program are going to benefit from, but also that people that do have the UMS program are going to benefit from. I really think that we need to talk to both of those people and, and we should define that maybe that's where the audience is, is drawn down the middle. We've got people that, that are doing our program and people that aren't. Um, if you're not doing the UMS program, then we highly recommend that you start your training with some unilateral work so that you can identify if you've got imbalances in your body. So if you don't know how to do a good testing, uh, you know, how to test your body effectively like what we do in the UMS program, then just by doing unilateral movements, you will be able to uncover Im uh, imbalances. But if you do bilateral movements, you won't be able to uncover them so easily. And so what I mean by that is, a unilateral movement would be doing um, a shoulder press or a chest press with dumbbells instead of with a barbell. Or it would be doing... Or, or, or dumbbells instead of a machine that just yeah, pushes right. the one yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, lever. You yeah, know? that's right. Or um, doing split squats instead of squats or a leg press machine. Um, you know, step-ups instead of a, a leg press or a, um, a leg extension machine or whatever it is. So just by doing those unilateral movements, you will see quite clearly if there's an imbalance in your body because you'll grab... Most people usually start with their strong side. It's really funny how people don't get the idea that you should start with your weak side. So we see people grab a weight and they go for their strong side. And you'll do 10 reps on something. Let's say, call it a split squat. And then you try and do the same on the weak side and you feel like you can barely do it. You can barely do three or four reps. So that's a really good place to start. And then if that's what you're doing, then you wanna be choosing the weight with your weak side. So doing basically the opposite of what I just said, which means you'll get the weight that works the weak side for 10 reps in a, in a comfortable way where you can maintain good technique. And then you'll do the same weight and same reps on the strong side. And you'll feel like you barely got a workout on the strong side, yep. but then that imbalance over time will even itself out. Surprisingly, you, 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 because of the nature of your central nervous system operating both of those legs, if you do your weaker side first, you will usually be, um, still feel like you've done a workout on the strong side because by the time you finish all of those reps, your nervous system's pretty fried. Yeah. Well, this is what we're describing here is the most is is a, a core component of what the UMS Foundations program is for the phase one, two, and three. And make no mistake, this is not, the, the word is foundations, it's not beginner. This isn't a beginner program. Yeah. We have people that have been training for 10 or 15 years, like Tom Wood, um, one of our senior students and, and uh, moderators in this group. Um, he'd been training for over a decade and he had a very good understanding of exercise and a very good level of strength when he started with us. He, he'd done several of the most popular 
um, online uh, training programs like Athlean-X and P90X and a bunch of other ones. And he said that when he did the foundations program, it just flogged him. It really, really challenged him. And he went through an, a massive adaptation that overcame some really big imbalances in his body. But it's not a beginner way. We're not talking about this as a beginner way of training. Like I could, yeah, you and me could go out there today, Yanni, and do a unilateral workout where everything was done with dumbbells and we, we'd kill ourselves. You know, he'd be walking away feeling really fried. Yeah. So make no mistake, we're not saying that this is beginner stuff. This is just a good way to start with um, function, it's funny, I hate this word functional training, but I think it's the word that most people seem to just understand and relate to. Um, you know, it's the best way to sort of start functional training, you know, to get away from the machines and start training in a way that's going to, um, that replicates real life more, that replicates the strength and flexibility and stability that you need for things like sports and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 That's, that's what we call functional training is training that is going to be uh, um, e uh, easily demonstrated outside of your gym environment. Environment, you know, and for me, it's just a clear line in the sand. Uh, I I think uh, assisted machines, anything where you're sitting down and moving a lever, is dysfunctional, yeah. and anything beyond that, that where you're moving your entire body, or um, not not so much your time. I think a bench press is very functional. Mm -hmm. I think a, a chin up is very functional. Yeah. I think a bent over row is very functional because you're not uh, relying on the support of an apparatus to s that, that allows you to switch off stability and balance in the yeah, body. Well, we'll talk about that um, a little bit more because you know an idea of a bench press versus a chest press machine. So, you know, those seated chest presses yeah. where you either raise or lower the level of the seat so that you can get the handles to the right position for you and then you just push forward. Yep. Yep. And There's no, the, the, the handles of the machine can't do anything but what they're designed to do. Yep. The barbell can do a lot. Plenty. So yeah. if you grab that barbell off, you might look at it and yes, it replicates the same movement. It, it is pushing in a horizontal plane away from the body. But when you're holding that barbell, if you're not stabilizing it properly, it's going to move and yeah. it's going to move off the groove and your shoulders are going to come up and everything. So Phil, Phil said it perfectly yesterday and this is really important for everybody listening at home. For all those viewers listening at home, I want you to really listen to this because this was one of the best explanations of why those assisted machines are less functional than a free weight mm -hmm. and the reason was because they still give a great pec workout like you're still going to really strengthen the pecs but what you fail to strengthen is the muscles that prevent glide in the glenhumeral joint and every joint has is susceptible to joint glide which is the the displacement of the joint in its capsule mm -hmm. and you're going to get a little bit of glide with every movement but you want to minimize glide because glide is what can cause wreak havoc to the joint it can it can impact the tendons in there it can impact the the connective tissues the ligaments um, the cartilage, all sorts of stuff negatively. And when you do these pec deck movements or these movements that sort of fail to stimulate the stability systems, then you over-strengthen one aspect of the joint and dramatically under-strengthen the others. And that's that's a big problem because you're meant to be strengthening it all together as a system. Yeah. And that's the, 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 the body is simply not designed to be 
compartmentalized like that yeah. you know now as as we said there are two there are two scenarios that um that you, i think is totally fine that, that are okay and that's um basic muscle activation when you've had an injury or you're just starting out with exercise and you're trying to you know build confidence on the gym floor then that's okay jump on those machines get used to everything yeah. if you don't have a trainer or coach you know it's better than doing nothing at all <laughs> and uh and then second is if you're a bodybuilder and it's a and you use them specifically and you understand how you're using them because trust me all bodybuilders body no bodybuilder that i've ever met that's successful uh just uses assisted machines but they understand how to use them uh as just tools in their tool yeah. toolbox you know very effectively lee are you ghd are you saying a glute hamstring developer is that is that yes. what you're referring yes. to yes uh but can you clarify why you've put a question mark there if you're asking is the glute ham developer considered a machine and something that's bad? The answer is no. That's a really, really good piece of equipment. And it's yes, it's a it's a piece of equipment, um, but it isn't a machine in the sense that it create it, all it does is basically anchor your knees and ankles so that you can then do a closed kinetic chain movement, which is a brilliant movement. Yeah, the the glute right. ham develop uh, you know, the way that it develops the hamstrings and the glutes and the lower back. Um, uh, is 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 excellent, and I know that that this is where it starts getting confusing, and this is where um, what I meant before about the amount of time that it takes to really get your head around this stuff and 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 um, you know understand this stuff. But the the glute ham developer is uh, is definitely one of the few pieces of equipment that you might find in a good gym. Not a lot of gyms have them, but that is this is not considered machine equipment that we're talking about. Yeah, this is an apparatus right. like a chin up bar or like a bench yeah, yeah? And, yeah. and it's a very good piece of equipment yeah, yeah that's right so I, I think the same as a, as a lap pull down a yeah. GHD is like a lap pull down it just provides you an opportunity to do an um, a, a open chain movement of a pull up you yeah. know but you're still having to sort of balance very different from those lap pull down machines that are that you're pulling two levers yeah, and they can yeah, only yeah. work in one plane yeah. when you pull a lap pull down the, the, the bar can move around yeah. and your body has to kind of stabilise a bit and, yeah. and all of that sort of thing um it's it, do i think it's as good as a chin-up absolutely not mm. but um it's it's providing a slightly different stimulus the glute ham developer uh, beside I, I can't think of anything else right now but it is it is actually one of the very few pieces of equipment in a gym that are that are really good and really really useful and a back another, extension yeah you back, know? yeah back extension yeah that's same another really thing. good one which yep. is funny because it's still training the same kind of muscle groups as well um you know even a preacher curl has its place as well um yep. for what we like to do because there that, that is one of the joints where we do like to isolate some movement um but anyway so what we should talk about now so that we really to, do try and cover this topic um properly is so we've spoken about this concept of you know moving away from the machines and getting started with some unilateral movements and then the next step from there would be to move into bilateral movements and the reason we've said before the reason why we prefer unilateral movements for people to start with is because it uncovers imbalances and when you find out that you've got imbalances they do need to be addressed because if you go um, if you've got a really big imbalance from your left glutes to your right glutes, which most people have if you haven't done proper strength training before because we favor one side, the yep. way that we stand and the way that we've kicked a ball for our whole life, we've just favored that one side. So the if you don't understand that and then you just go straight into barbell squatting without really getting good technique correction, often you'll, as you come close to failure, you'll favor that good side and the imbalance will get 
worse. So that's why we prefer yep. the unilateral movements. There's, there's other reasons for training unilateral movements early on in your training and also going back to them regularly when you're more advanced is that they train the stabilizers a lot more. You yep. get a really great core exercise when you stand on one leg uh, or yep. do a split squat or mm -hmm. a step up. You get a more core activation when you're training dumbbells. You know, like any unilateral movement is usually going to train the stabilizers a little bit more. But here's the catch. As you develop experience and strength that diminishes as well and it becomes you know you, you kind of um uh, become less and less uh you, as you as you adapt to the movement more and more and you become overall um stronger and more stable then you find that there's less need for those unilateral movements so someone who's very very strong um, is probably going to benefit from doing mostly barbell work, you know. Yeah. Um, and so as, yeah, as you, as you progress, as your training progresses, there's less need to go back and do these unilateral movements as much, you know. Yeah, and also in the sports science research for the strength training movements that have been shown to increase athletic performance in professional athletes, barbells have been proven to increase athletic performance better than than unilateral movements, yep. which means that if you're training for ultimate performance, then it makes sense that you would be working towards lifting with barbells and doing doing movements like that. Yep. The other thing is, um, the next thing to talk about is closed kinetic chain movements versus open kinetic chain movements. And people get really, really confused with this. And I guess it just depends on the way your brain works, because to me, it made perfect sense when I had it explained the exact way I'm gonna describe it to you. But I've had conversations 10 or 20 times trying to explain these things to some personal trainers and, and they just don't get it. But an open kinetic chain movement is when the center of your mass is fixed in space, but your the end of your limbs are free to move. So if your arms are moving around or your legs are moving around whilst your body is fixed, that's called an open kinetic chain movement. So an example would be a um, barbell bench press. Okay, if you do a bench press, you're laying on your back, the center of your mass is fixed and your arms are moving the weight. Whereas a closed kinetic chain movement is when the end of your limbs are fixed, so your hands are fixed or your feet are fixed and the center of your mass is moving through space. So the exact same muscle groups as a bench press, if you do a push-up, it's a closed kinetic chain movement because a push-up, your hands are fixed on the ground and it's your body that's moving up and down. So for a pull-up, a pull-up would be a closed kinetic chain movement because your hands are fixed, whereas a lat pull-down would be an open kinetic chain movement. If you look at the lower body, um, a, uh, a squat is a closed kinetic chain movement, a deadlift is a closed kinetic chain movement, whereas a leg press is an open kinetic chain movement, and a hamstring curl is an open kinetic chain movement. So yep. it gets confusing for people, but you just need to think of, you, you need to think about that. If the, if the body is fixed and the limbs are moving, that's closed, uh, open kinetic chain, and if the limbs are fixed and the body is moving, it's closed kinetic chain. And they both affect the central nervous system differently, and they should both be included through programming over time it yep. shouldn't you shouldn't just do open kinetic chain movements and you shouldn't just do closed kinetic chain movements yeah that's right yeah and this is starting to get uh, a little bit 
you know, further down the track, we're, we're, we're starting to, to incorporate things like this, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And look, guys, we're going to go deeper into this. For those of you in the UMS online coaching, we're going to go deeper into this tomorrow during your weekly group coaching call. We're going to really t- um, uh, um, be very specific about how to use the testing results you've got this week uh, to, to sort of formulate your next mesocycle of training, which is very exciting. And for, for those of you not in the UMS Movement Mastermind group, this is what you guys want to start thinking about, you know? If you're, remember, and I said this in my inner circle email, if you're not uh, a member of that, make sure you subscribe to the email. You can do that on our website, uh, unitygym.com. But, you know, yesterday I, I, I spoke very clearly about the, the need to sort of um, put this sort of stuff on hold if you're very new to exercise. Your priority goal if you're new to exercise is consistency over the first nine to 16 weeks. And you're going to get a great result just by being consistent. It doesn't really matter how technical the program. Once you hit that point, you're going to experience your first natural plateau if you don't change things. And that's where results diminish and you start to get really frustrated. The problem is you won't notice that you've hit a plateau until three or four months later when you realize that you haven't really gotten better change, in the last three or right, four months. That's right, yeah. So you, need to, you need to listen to the advice and make the change before you look back on the last three months and go, man, haven't gotten better yeah, at all. This first three months sucks. was amazing, but the you second know? three months sucked. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So at that point, that's when you start to think, okay, how can I periodize my training to make sure that I don't ever stagnate or plateau, you know? And really, realistically, depending on how elite you are, every nine to 16 weeks, you should uh, be completely changing things up. And every mesocycle, you should, there should be a clear difference, you know? And mesocycles for us are six weeks. Some people do as low as three weeks if you're training for a specific sport yeah. uh, and you're very elite. The average is four to six weeks for a mesocycle, you know? Yeah. And every mesocycle, there should be a clear change in not just the movement selection, but the loading parameters that go along with that movement selection, which we're going to talk about tomorrow. Yeah, so tomorrow we're going to talk about, so yesterday and today we spoke about uh, exercise selection for periodization. So tomorrow we're going to talk about load, volume, and tempo. Yeah, and we'll also talk about how this applies to stretching, which brings me to the last point of today's show, which is that anybody who ever has done our 18-minute routine, it's funny, I just um, I just read a, a, a comment um, down here I'm going to share this because it's just so cool. uh, Shaquille. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I just purchased the 18-minute mobility routine from an ad on Instagram. It's super good. Just watch the tutorial video. Um, We've got over... uh, We looked the other day. I'm actually quite astounded by this. We've got over 5,500 people who are doing that program around Mm. the world and loving it. And yeah that's right and it is amazing that it's become our most popular and and uh successful program because it never was intended to be but you know it's delivering such good results but big news tomorrow we are launching version 2.0 of the 18 minute stretching routine and this is a really exciting um time for us because you know as as we're talking about here with our training evolution Um, your training should evolve. And this, let me be clear, this program does not replace the first program. It's an evolution of the first program. And I I said this um, yesterday, you know, if you, uh, um, 
we, you know, if you haven't got the first 18 minute uh, program and you're thinking, oh, geez, I want to get on board with this because it's going to be on sale tomorrow for the weekend as we launch it. We always do a, uh, a big sale when we launch a new program. I would buy both of them <laughs> and do both of them. Even if you start with this one and then you get the 18 minute. Yeah, routine, it won't matter. Um, because, yeah, that's how periodization works. You can, you just need to mix things up, change things, do something different. Yeah. But for those of you that are that have already got the 18 minute stretching routine, this is this is going to be game changing. Yeah, hundred percent. I guarantee it. This Especially is, all of those people that are saying that they've got such good results from it. Yeah. You know, that if you've been doing that 18 minute routine for more than 12 weeks now, it's time to. This came. It's time it, to the, evolve. The whole reason why this came about was because I was I caught myself in the mirror when I was doing 360 hip mobility the other day, and I thought wow, this looks so different to what I've taught in the 18-minute stretching routine. Like yeah. the way that I do this now is so different. And then and then I did that post where I asked you guys, I said, hey, would anybody be interested in, you know, learning the new what I do? And, and back then it wasn't even created. Yeah. <laughs> but it was because what I do now it barely resembles the 18-minute stretching routine, but, it, but it's the same purpose. Yeah. It's the, it's the short daily routine that I do every day and especially on the days where I don't do any training where I just do something to move my body and I thought oh, I wonder if the guys would be interested in in getting a you know a, a new version a, a version yeah. to a periodized version yeah. and so, it's, it's funny because when Rad did it you know he practiced it and actually set a timer um, and he, he came back and goes it's only 14 minutes the routine that I do now when we filmed it it's not it's a little bit longer oh really yeah, yeah. but I said to him have oh, you, you have that, you included yeah, any right, yeah. um, any um, self myofascial release or trigger point because we've evolved that too you know we used to do this full body flush foam rolling um, routine which is included in the original 18 minute routine but we don't do that anymore we are more specific our bodies have adapted to that and it doesn't feel as effective anymore so now we're using massage balls and we're doing some very specific trigger point release on things like our forearms, our rotator cuff, our hip flexors and our glutes, uh, which are problematic areas. I'm sure there's many of you who could um, relate to having some sort of a niggle in the hip or the, the glute or the rotator cuff, yeah, the pec once, or the once forearm. Once you move through that initial feeling of the, of the self myofascial release that foam rolling provides for you, where you get this breakthrough where all of a sudden your body starts to feel a bit better, you start to realize that the majority of people that are do training the way that we're teaching people to train, it's it's those areas of the body there's, that needs the daily release. Five key areas: pecs, yeah. rotator cuff, forearms, hip flexors, and glutes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I said ones. to Rad, "Have you included that?" And he goes, "Oh no, I haven't." I said, "Dude." Get the massage ball, throw that in. They're going to love that. And uh, we do it all the time. So there you go. It's uh, You could call it a bonus, but I I think it's um, it has a really good place in there. And you guys are going to learn so much from it. I it, I think it'll be a real breakthrough for a lot of you. So get ready. Launches tomorrow. Mm, yeah. um, we'll see you tomorrow, guys. Have a great day. Have Chini. a great day. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.